0: You know, he'll, he'll score off their shot. And the next thing you know, you look up, and it's freaking 5-0 Kyle Dake. And he, his matches are like that. And then he walks off like he freaking knew it. And he did. He walks off like, all right, yep.
1: Hey, guys, we just released episode four of the All Access behind-the-scenes series, Tokyo Dreams. We've been following Kyle Dake, Yanni Diakamahalis, Gabe Dean, and Vito Rujo for the past week as they build up to the Olympic Trials. Check it out on YouTube, Tokyo Dreams. It's also on Instagram TV, at Spartan Combat. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability.
0: I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness.
1: Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%, how to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's
0: it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and
1: effort. It humbled me. taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn. You learn how to adapt. You learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Welcome back to the Wrestling Change My Life podcast, folks. This is your host, Ryan Warner, and it is the morning of the Olympic Trials. We're a little over three hours out from wrestling starting. I'm down here in Fort Worth, Texas. I'll be covering the event all weekend. And who better to have on the podcast than two-time Olympian, 1996 Olympic gold medalist, Kendall Cross. We talk through some of the big matchups that you're going to be seeing this weekend, as well as Kendall's memories from the 1996 Olympic team trials where he beat the great Terry Brands in an epic best-of-three series. Before we get to the interview, fan of the week goes to Justin Hawk, a fantastic photographer. Thank you so much for the support on the Smith series. We appreciate it. And, folks, as always, Wrestling Changed My Life is proudly presented by Spartan Combat. Please go to SpartanCombat.com to shop the sick Kyle Dick merch that just went live. And that's it. Let's get to the interview with the great Kendall Cross. Kendall Cross, Mustang, Oklahoma. How we doing?
0: Uh, doing great, man. Got a huge couple of days coming up.
1: Yes, we do. Olympic trials are tomorrow. For those of you living under a rock, Kendall and I are both down in Texas, gearing up uh, for the big event that starts tomorrow. Kendall, I got to imagine that you know, just the word Olympic trials brings a a chill to the bone or an excitement. You know, what is it, uh, what comes to mind when you think back to your Olympic trials experience? Uh, You know,
0: uh, immediately, like first thing, if I could put it in one word, which I do, um, it was stressful. It was stressful. I think, uh, you know, for the months leading up to the trials, you know, I found myself thinking about it and the consequences of it. and just, you know, gritting my teeth and holding my breath. Like, you know, I could be driving my car and be at a stoplight and um, and find myself holding my breath and gritting my teeth, you know, and squeezing <laughs> the steering wheel and, you know, just, oh, just, you know, relax, relax. It's, you know, that kind of thing. So it's, a, it's um, I know for these guys, it's uh, super stressful. It's just, it's a defining moment that that you uh just it's it's hard to put into perspective when you most need to put in it into perspective and um yeah I I feel for him I feel for all of them
1: what was uh in, in a lot of people you remember you from 96 but obviously you made it in 92 as well what was uh higher on the stress scale for you repeating or your first go
0: The repeating, you know, um, the, yeah, the 96 Olympic trials were definitely, well, I knew that they were going to be my last one. And, um, you know, the 92 team to compare it, 92, man, I I really, I went into the trials um, just, you know, thinking, you know what, this, uh, you know, my year's 96, and I knew it in my head, like when just preparedness, you know, just that, that piece alone, uh, I I was, was going to be most prepared with another four years of experience and wisdom and all that goes with that. And, um, so the 92s, 92 Olympic trials were. I had Brad Penrith in front of me who had just won a world silver medal. So he was coming off the 91 worlds, you know, world silver medal. And, um, I really wasn't supposed to beat him. And um, I kind of took that, I took that attitude in there like, hey man, let's let it fly, let's see what happens. But 96 was different in in that, um, man, I knew it was my last chance. And so I I would call it completely different.
1: Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, everyone says repeating or defending is, is that much harder. And, and you would know because like in between those years, it wasn't like you were just, ru- you know, running through it. 93, 94, 95. I think you said in the Terry film that I don't know if you made a world team in between then. So. I did not, I I mean, did not have
0: never made a world team, Ryan. I, ever. Uh, I No, I, I, um, tried out seven years and made two teams and they were the, the Olympic year. And, um, you know, the ultimate Saturday nighter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How does it compare to the Olympics? Like, is it that once you're there, it's kind of like, all right, I'm here. Or do you refocus and put that same kind of pressure on yourself to do well at the games as well?
0: Well, at the Olympics, you know, I, uh, the first one uh, that I went to in '92s, um, my attitude was, mm, let's just see, you know, I didn't really know. I hadn't really been tested. Um, I'd only been to, uh, you know, a a handful of international competitions. Um, and so it was, uh, it's just like, Hey, let's see where we are. Mm -hmm. And then, um, in 96, uh, you know, after getting through Terry brands and the trials, I really had had this amazing amount of confidence and, and peace with what I had just done and my thoughts and, and, and I directed my thoughts to the idea that nobody's going to beat me i just beat terry brands three times out of four matches you know with the u.s open and the trials who's going to beat me i just couldn't even see uh losing
1: in in the 92 were you in the finals as well or do you have to come through the ladder to get to penrith
0: in the 92s, so Penrith, because he was a world medalist, he sat out to the final two out of three. And I had to go through – this is crazy. The 92s were a trip because um, I had to go through the U.S. Open. And then there was a trials that where you go through the mini the, – the challenge tournament winner wrestles the number three guy two out of three. <laughs> and then that winner goes and wrestles the number two guy two out of three. And then that winner wrestles the number one guy from the U S open two out of three.
1: All at the same tournament or like weeks in advance?
0: No, it, well, it was a, it was a, uh, it was started on a Wednesday and ended like on a Saturday.
1: Oh my So mini
0: tournament. um, Best of three against the the third, you know, the third rank guy, best of three against the second rank guy, best of three against the first rank guy. And then you go to the final trial, which was against Brad Penrith, who was, sitting there waiting for whoever was going to come through. And so I came through that wow. and, uh, but, but it was different weeks. It was, I want to say there were two, two week two weeks in between something to that effect. Um, and then I went and wrestled um, Brad Penrith.
1: So when you got to Pittsburgh, you only had to wrestle Penrith or do you have one of those other ones before that? Yes. Penrith. Oh, wow. It was okay. a true
0: two out of three event where we both uh, made weight. And so just in terms of, what we had to deal with to get there. Um, We were both, you know, rested and, you know, had weighed in the same time. And so there were no, you know, hidden advantages.
1: Yeah. That's a big thing. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm
0: sorry. Well, in fact, I I actually thought that I, and and I told myself this, dude, I had the advantage of um, wrestling the US Open and the trials to get to this final trial. And I just had this momentum. It's like, dude, I'm wrestling good right now. Let's just keep, you know, keep going, you know? So I had that
1: attitude. And as you're saying this, I'm thinking back to the last time we talked and it was for the John Smith documentary, but knowing that, um, John Fisher beat John Smith in that first match, but knowing he had to wrestle a couple weeks ahead of time, kind of like you, it, it makes sense that he was maybe a little more fresh because he was, he was really in the thick of things. And as we know from the documentary, John was going through a number of things, staff, and just a lot of issues, but, um, so you felt it kind of help you get a little rhythm going, going a couple yeah, weeks ahead. Yeah,
0: it helped me. And I told myself it helped me. I think that's an important piece of it. You know, um, I think one, one thing that happened with that team, that that 91 team, because the 91 world team member sat out and was guaranteed a two out of three in the 92 trials. And they knew going into the 91 year. We all knew.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: it was all about making that 91 team, right? But, you know, I think some of the guys, I don't know that it was the healthiest thing for all those guys. In fact, most of them, they didn't wrestle real well at the trials. You know, and John, you know, specifically, you know, he's he uh, had a rough go. Um, I think they all did. And then Brad was the only casualty.
1: And so, and you broke up a little bit there, but I heard, I heard most of it. Um, and we're back on now, so we're good. Um, so d- and now this year, I really like how, They're giving the guys who win the bracket on Friday an extra day because you think about a guy like Kyle Dake who he has to come down a weight and he doesn't get to go to the finals, but he still has to beat Burroughs. It's like I really don't think it's fair to have those matches the same day, so at least they're splitting it up um, one day because if Kyle wins tomorrow, uh, he has a whole day to recoup and get ready for JB. Um, Let's talk about some of the matchups a little bit, though. I mean, Kyle Dake, Jordan Burroughs, can you remember a time when – when two, uh, you know, multiple world championships are going at it for the same Olympic spot.
0: Yeah, I want to say it's been since my era. Yeah. I mean, those were, those were the days when this kind of thing happened, and so we've had a, you know, a bit of a lull in that kind of um, stiff competition to make a team. Um, I mean, there, yeah,
1: there are exceptions, but you know, these stand out. But think about, like, Dake's a two-time world champ. Burles is a four-time world champ. I just can't believe that, that they're going at it. I mean, that one of them's not going to get to go. And for JB, it's obviously his last go. For Dake, he might have one more in him. But, um, man, it's just a, one of the biggest matches that, that I can remember. Um, when you look at this matchup, knowing that it's really a polarization of styles, what, what do you get excited for? And what positions are you going to be watching for?
0: I don't know that I'll be watching for positions or anything, you know, it'll be really cool to see how they do manage the, the, the space that they're in, you know, the, the mat, the clock, um, how they, um, when they are aggressive, when they're not, you know, um, I'm, I'm really, it's interesting. I don't have to necessarily, I just get to enjoy watching whatever they do but I do pay attention to how they manage the clock, the mat. Um, you know, Kyle Dake is a master at that. And Jordan Burles. you can't say he's not a master at it. It's just going to be really, I'm going to, I'm really going to enjoy it. And, and just being able to sit back and, you know, one thing, Ryan, you know, I've been through it. Mm-hmm. And so I know how these guys feel. I know what they're going through. Um, it's, it's really good. It's going to be quite a, a scene just to um, see who comes through. You know, I, I, uh, I, can't, I can't believe that one of those guys won't be in the Olympics. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. No, it Man. really doesn't. It's, it's such a, yeah, it's a, it's a bad deal. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge Jordan Burroughs fan. I want him to be in this Olympics but we don't know
1: (laughs) we don't know and it's I don't I mean no one knows it's if you had to make a, a Vegas line I don't even know who would be favorite I mean the king is the king until he's dethroned but he's lost a couple this year Dake's been wrestling Dake hasn't lost a match in like three years maybe so it's just every you couldn't ask for a better matchup
0: um, you can't, and it's like a, you know the king is the king. But man, here's this guy, and he has these other reasons for why he's the guy. You know, and they're very, very different reasons.
1: Mm-hmm. The king is the king. You know, he is. I know, and it's like people say you you stay with him until proven otherwise. And he's one and seven, or he's seven and one against Kyle. The last time they wrestled was 2017. Um, it was a best of three series. Kyle won match one and match two. Kyle was winning with 30 seconds left. JB does what he does, got match two and then match three. He kind of, he, he also won. I, I don't remember the exact score, but um, obviously a lot's changed since then. And, and Kyle Day, kind of along with David Taylor have settled into their own weights and have emerged as, as new stars. And they're known throughout the world, not just the United States. Um, so yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And you know, just two weights above it, we get another super match. Um, you know, the great Kyle Snyder versus the great Jaden Cox. I don't think Jaden's lost a match, and probably the same time Kyle. It's probably been two or three years, um, whereas Snyder's dropped a few as of late. Um, and I'm thinking back to the last World Championships. But um, yeah, I mean, what about this one? Just would love to hear your thoughts on, on on this matchup as well.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's interesting just because well, again, I just go back to this, we're going to see one of those guys, Kyle Snyder or Jaden Cox, not be going to the Olympics. I just, I can't get over that. It, you know, those guys, you know, it's just such a, what a, I don't know if it's a travesty, you know, it's, it's what it is. Yeah. Um, but it's just a shame, you know, I, it, you know, but getting over that, Man, it's going to be really, it's it's such an interesting uh, conflict of styles. You know, Cox is just loose and carefree and active and technical and fast. And is there, am I leaving anything out? You know, (laughs) Um, he doesn't get scored on. He's creative. He, um, he will do, you know, what feels right versus what he's, you know, drilled over and over. Mm -hmm. And then you've got Kyle Snyder who, you know, in my opinion, he uh, has drilled over and over and he knows his stuff and he goes to it and forces it, you know, one, one, um, you know, type of world champion or Olympic champion, you know, uh, world champions, Olympic champions, they, you know, they're, they're kind of, there are two sets of them. You can categorize them if you want. And there's the one who just, uh, who's free and easy the Vesa Citeo, yes. um type of wrestler who just goes out and crafts his match. And then there's the guy who has one or two things that they do really well and they force it on their opponent. And so we've got one, you know, style that isn't a world and Olympic champion against another style that is a world Olympic medalist. And, um, you know, who, 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 who gets to come out of that? You know, I, um, you know, I, I honestly, I, I'll say this. Um, I lean a little bit towards uh, Cox because of his uh, crazy capabilities. Yeah. You know, I think it's it kind of, in my mind, it's kind of hard not to, to think that way, but you know, you, you know, look, Kyle Snyder's an Olympic champion. He, he he's an Olympic champion for a reason. Yeah. Cause he can win. He, he beat Sadja live in the world championships. Um, was he better? Uh, I don't know, but he won cause he can win. And so you just can't take that away, you know? And,
1: yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing to think about it like that, because as you're saying that I'm thinking, well, what, what category does Dake follow it? Because he's not like the Snyder, Kind of hard hand fight, high crotch, cut to a double. He's he's kind of like Cox because he kind of makes things up. But he, um, as you were saying that, I'm kind of thinking like, what bucket would he be in? Um, same with Burrows. Like Burroughs is a guy who he's got, you know, the the double obviously, um, and so I guess you could put him into that bucket. But uh, yeah, it's just interesting. You know, think you know, I would.
0: Him. I'll I'll tell you where I'll put Kyle Dake. Um, I get to I get the chance to have a really close seat. in in the stands at the the last world championships in Kazakhstan Mm -hmm. and um, uh, watching his finals match. And, you know, the, also the the body of work that he had in in earlier in the tournament, uh, man, that the dude takes this really cool air of confidence out there with him. And it's kind of a calmness, but it's, it's also an aggressive, um, a, a go when he goes, he's just, yeah. Yeah, just you know, and but his his uh, calmness and his way about him, just his mannerisms before the whistle blows, and then of course after the whistle blows, he manages a match to win it, and there's a good chance that his opponent has zero points, mm-hmm. and so I don't think it's just uh, he doesn't force anything onto anybody. It seems like he just – he feels it, you know, with his eyes closed even. Oh, I feel it. I see it. You know, okay. You know, or I don't see it, but I feel it. And just gets through it and, and does those things. Takes advantage and takes an opportunity to run it out of bounds. Um, a sh- guy shoots in, he's fine there. You know, he'll, he'll score off their shot. And the next thing you know, you look up and it's freaking five zero, Kyle Dake. <laughs> Yeah. And he, his matches are like that. And then he walks off like he freaking knew it. And he did. He walks off like, all right, yep.
1: Yeah. He, and, um, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's just, a, that's a cool thing about him. You know, I'm not a huge <laughs> Dick fan. Um, uh, you know, I'm a Burroughs fan, but man, you, you can't deny what he has. You like, just can't. And he, to say anything else would just not be doing him justice. You know, Kyle Dake is an amazing, amazing competitor and and worthy of an Olympic team and an Olympic gold medal.
1: 100%. And and the crazy thing about Kyle and uh, Jaden Cox is, yes, they've been challenged at the World Championships, but man, I don't think they've really been pushed like they're going to be pushed this weekend. Um, You know, they again, the World Championships, of course, there's some great guys. And I know in 2018, Dake uh, avenged the guy who beat him at the Uregan, but still, I mean, I don't know if they've really been push pushed in a couple of years. I mean, you were at that world championships. What do you think?
0: Yeah. Not, not like this. Yeah. Not, I agree with that. Yeah. I don't know. It, 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 it appeared that way. Yeah. You know, sitting in the stands, it's such an easy thing to, you know, you can talk to it, but um, you know, sitting in the stands, maybe it was hard. You know, sometimes it, it looks easy and it's super hard. Yeah. Sometimes it's super hard and, you know.
1: One of the biggest changes of this Olympic trials versus any other is just the RTC funding and the, the money coming into the sport seems to me like an all-time high. You're wearing a, a NYRTC shirt. Talk about just the impact of the RT season and um, kind of how it's elevated the playing field.
0: Well, I, uh, well, I love the concept, you know, it's kind of, I would say it's the the brainchild of Zeke Jones Mm -hmm. when he was at the, um, you know, he was the national team coach and, um, you know, so I, you know, his genius was coming up with that, that idea. And, and honestly, if you think about it, the RTC model, it's a breeding ground for what we develop and uh, it gives the athlete everything that they need um, you know, I know what a, an athlete that is trying to make an Olympic team needs and the RTCs offer that, you know, the, you've got a, a complete stable of partners, um, with the college programs that you're affiliated with. You've, um, you've got a roof over your head. Um, you've got funding, you've got sponsorship. So the, uh, the funding piece is taken care of training partners, funding, peace of mind, um, that you don't have to struggle and fight for that. You can go into competition knowing that you, um, are fully prepared and the RTC does, it furnishes that. I, uh, I love it. You know, some, some, some people are naysayers, but you know, why? Yeah. You're good because of this. And, um, yeah. So that, you know, I just, there's nothing nothing better than having peace of mind, knowing that you are fully and completely and absolutely prepared for making an Olympic team and competing in the Olympics. RTCs do that.
1: What was your reality and, and the other guys you were on world teams or Olympic teams with in 92 and 96 versus what the guys have now in terms of support and compensation and that kind of thing? Well, you know, I, just, I just had to do a lot of stuff. There were, there were um, months,
0: Ryan, where you know my wife, Uh, would, my wife and I, we'd high five when we got through our month. And so I went out and did fundraising. I made brochures, reached out to my, um, the, the uh, booster base at my alma mater, Oklahoma state. I went to my congressman, my Oklahoma congressman and sat down with them and asked them to reach out to people for me. Um, You know, I I received funding from Sunkist. I was an assistant coach at UNC. Um, I did camps and clinics during the summer and the fall. And cumulatively, um, I was able to create an ideal training environment, but it was, man, it's not like it is now where, man, that's, you can, you can, um, you know, if you're good and you picked up uh, by an RTC that supports you, you don't have to worry about all those nuts and bolts of just funding a training environment and Mm -hmm. not just a training environment, an ideal training environment.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's gotta be night and day. So in 96, you were training at UNC who were like, who was your partners and who was your day-to-day coaches? Cause I know Joe C sat with you at the trials, but was he out there in Chapel Hill with you?
0: No. Um, so TJ Jaworski, mm-hmm. Oklahoma kid, went to Oklahoma state transferred to UNC. I was the assistant coach at UNC. In fact, I took that job at UNC to go and train with TJ Jaworski.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, go I left ahead. Oklahoma state, um, and and really, I wasn't going to be one of the higher paid assistants at Oklahoma State.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I was like the volunteer, and um, at UNC, I could be the number one assistant and work out with TJ Jaworski, have a, a training partner every day. Yeah, and so uh, you know, those were again. I had to make a sacrifice. Who did I want to be around? I wanted to be around John Smith, and I wanted to be in, in at my in at home in Stillwater. Um, but just didn't have that luxury.
1: Was Bill Lamb still the coach at UNC? He, yeah.
0: He, he, is he still?
1: No, no, no. Oh, was no, he, he when you were uh, out there? Yeah. Yeah. He was the
0: coach at the time. Yeah, he was. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he, he was, um, a bit of a stickler with this head assistant coaching job. Cause you know, he needed help and I wanted to train <laughs> and so, you know, we butted heads. Um, but, uh. It was, it was a good relationship in terms of, well, I got it done, man. You know, I'll say this. I got it done. And it worked. So I wouldn't <laughs> change a thing. I would not change a thing.
1: TJ Sjaworski is a name that you hear about now. Um, I don't even know how many times he won the Nationals, but I, you don't know a ton of, I don't know a ton about him. I mean, What kind of wrestler was he? And what were, where were some of his credentials?
0: Well, he was a three-time NCAA champion.
1: Okay. okay. He won
0: three. And his first year was at Oklahoma State and um you know that was when okie state as you well know uh, that was when we all broke up you know and, and okie state was uh you know put under sanctions and you know we we were uh, cheating a little bit mm-hmm. is that what you call it
1: <laughs> you um, said it coach <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: so yeah uh you know tj left and and um where was I with that? Unless just my- that?
1: Just that I was just asking, like, you know, I, I didn't know how many national titles he won or, like, what yeah. kind of wrestler he was in the kind yeah, of
0: wrestler? Oh, okay, yeah. You know, TJ was uh, – he was super strong, um, just genetically super strong. And it still looks like he can wrestle. I don't know if you – you know, that, that kid, he still looks like he's uh, training, you know. And, and uh, so there's that. And then he was very technical. He had a couple of things that, you know, kind of like I mentioned earlier – you know, TJ was one of those wrestlers where he had a couple things that he did really, really well and you couldn't stop it. Mm. One of those guys. Yeah. He wasn't this creative, free flowing, you know, artist. He was the this is what I'm going to do. And let's see if you can stop it. And no, you can't. You know? <laughs> he was really good for me. He, You know, we were we weighed about the same, but he was better than me. He, he was just a he was solid, man. And it was what I needed. It was what I needed to deal with in my own training for who I was trying to prepare for. Mm -hmm. And so um, I didn't necessarily know that when I moved to North Carolina that he was going to be so beneficial to me. Um, But it turns out he was exactly what I needed.
1: And you'd say he was better than you even, even though you were out of school. Yeah,
0: he was just on a regular basis. He was um, getting the best of me.
1: Holy smokes! How do That's you not let not, that though. confidence mess? Uh, true. Does that mess with your confidence though? Leading. know nah, nah, yeah. you
0: put that stuff in perspective. That's TJ. We wrestle every day. Um, dude was good. He three time national champion, man. Unbelievable. You know, and he beat the likes of Kerry Colot and that dude was good. Wow. He awesome. just uh he didn't he didn't have a he didn't have a freestyle um you know what do you call it? He just didn't delve into it like i did he just touched it Mm -hmm. and um his can he he wanted to win national titles at the folk style collegiate level and um you know that's what he grew up wanting to do and he did Um, Could you
1: imagine imagine if he stayed at okie state how good that 94 team would have been with pat and alan freed and and uh i mean obviously branch won but no one would have predicted that but yeah oklahoma state might have set like some all-time records if the house wouldn't have been broken up
0: we were getting ready to win some titles in a a (laughs) bunch of them.
1: (laughs) Man. Last question for you. Knowing that you're a a proud Oklahoma state alum, AJ Ferrari's taken the wrestling world by storm. I love the kid. I think he's so much fun to watch word on the street is he's competing this week. And I believe he's the sixth seed. I mean, winning a national title as a true freshman is unbelievable at the way he did it at even more impressive. I mean, what are your, uh, what are your thoughts on, on this new phenom that we've been blessed with?
0: Well, I love him too, man. I've been around AJ and his family and his younger brothers since they were kids, you know, in Texas, I, I, you know, moved from Dallas to, to, uh, in 2017. Mm-hmm. And so I've been around AJ and his, and his family, his dad and mom. And, uh, for, I don't know, 10, 12 years before that. And, uh, you know, I, I love the kid. I love the kid. It, it's really an interesting thing. It's an interesting phenomenon, you know, what he's doing. You know, I really appreciate it. It's kind of a good shot in the arm that wrestling needs. Uh, I'm really excited to watch him for the next four years. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he speaks his mind, but I, I truly think, I hope that he doesn't, I hope it doesn't end up that he comes off wrong because you know what the kid's a sweetheart. It, when you get eye to eye with AJ Ferrari, um he'll look you in the eyes and talk to you like you're the only person in the room Hmm. and i think he's sincere whatever he does and some of the things that he might say i think they could be misconstrued but that dude i think he's respectful and and um is uh i think he is he comes from a good place i think he's 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 a sweetheart if you will i don't like to call that dude a sweetheart but (laughs) no um i think he's a good kid
1: it's authentic to me. It's so authentic that that's why I think people people love it. They were a little bit scared of it at first because, you know, wrestling's a little conservative at times. But um, the fact that it is authentic, and I think that's what makes it so likable.
0: It does. You know, I, You know him, you know, getting out there and calling out Jordan Burroughs, you know, I, I, I was like, oh, dude, no. Uh, Cut you know, that. Cut that. Yeah, yeah. dude, don't, don't.
1: Uh, That was tough. That rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah, You can think that. Don't,
0: you know, and and then, and then again, you know, Stevenson, you know um, I hope that um, he learns from those instances where he can, you know, kind of um, write his own ship. You know, I know that, you know, the coaches, Oklahoma state, you know, they they'll probably have to be doing that to a degree themselves but I swear, it, the kid, I know, I just know, because I've known him since he was young and innocent. Um, he comes from a good place in his mm-hmm. heart. I really, I believe that. And um, he'll be misunderstood, guaranteed. But I hope it all shakes out and he, everybody loves it.
1: Do you think John Smith got a few gray hairs when he started getting on Twitter at the beginning of the year? Had to. <laughs> Oh I always wanted to like send messages to these guys and, like, Hey dude, you can you talk to that guy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know? And, uh, but you know, had to, you know, just, you know, where can that go? Social media is such a, 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 interesting phenomenon as to where it can go with one thing said, and then how it can just take these nasty, ugly turns mm-hmm. with one thing said. And you can't draw it, but you can't reel it back in. You're not, and so it, honestly, a lot of the, a lot of times I, when I have opinions, Ryan, and, and I want to air them, I freeze. Not worth <laughs> it. I have opinions. I'm not a. I'm not big on social media. Um, I, my my daughter, you know, she challenges me to get out there, Dad. People want to know what you're doing. They, they'll care about how you your personality. They'll like it. And, um, but oftentimes eight out of 10 times I freeze and just don't do anything at all. I have opinions. I watch it. I follow it. I just don't comment.
1: Well, one, I'm with you on that. I think it's, it's probably safer not to, but it's not as fun. And I wish I could just say what I'm actually thinking. The one thing I will say that I do not like, and you, I don't know what your opinion is in this. I hate the co-hodge winner. How could there be two hodge winners? What do you think about that? Are you okay with that, or do you not like it? No, I think, man, hey,
0: uh, pick one. Sorry, pick man. one.
1: What the heck? It's like, how could there be two? I mean, I personally think keep Hawkeye Nation's going to shoot me for this. I might have gave it to Gable. I know he's not pinning people, but he's dominating. And obviously, Spencer Lee's never even challenged, so how can you say that? But um, I just thought there should have been one. So that's one I will air. Shoot me, hang yeah. me, I don't care. But I just, I couldn't, I hate that they do that.
0: Yeah. Pick one, you know, Spencer Lee crushed everybody, crushed everybody, you know, and we, and we say that there's nobody there. Well, dude, maybe it's cause he's so freaking up there. Spencer Lee is a special little cat. Um, I don't And so to, to, uh, you know, diminish that, um, I don't know. I, it seems to me like, to be honest, it's, it seems like it would be cut and dry just with the, the, uh, if you compare those. Yeah. Just, just the, the, what, the, what he's done to his opponents versus what Stevenson says Stevenson
1: has done to his opponents. I don't, I don't know. True. Um, I get hung that- up in the competition thing, but you're right. It's like Spencer Lee doesn't choose who he wrestles, but I, I just know that deep down that heavyweight bracket with Kirk Levy, with Mason Paris, with, um, I know, uh, I know I'm missing some guys, but Tony Cassiope, but, there's some guys there that it you know, could be like Olympic level and it wouldn't surprise anyone. Um, so that, that's what sticks out to me, but I mean, it's not, t- it's not the toughest schedule award. It's the most dominant wrestler award and right. Right. You know, is
0: it, is that considered, um, at the, uh, you know, with the Heisman, is it is strength, of schedule considered? I don't even know. I'm I'm not, I a,
1: really have no idea. Yeah. yeah.
0: But you know what? I don't care who was in that bracket at Spencer Lee's weight class. That dude's gonna do that. He, he's gonna do <laughs> what he did. He's gonna take you down and turn you with this cross wrist, maybe twice. First period ends, it's 10-0. You know, that's the best case scenario. This is really amazing. I just um uh, league of his own.
1: Let's let's wind down with this. I'm just curious. Right. You've seen a lot of college wrestling. Is Spencer Lee on track to be the most dominant wrestler ever, even though he has a couple L's in the column?
0: If he stays healthy. I think it's a really good shot. You know, you, it's just so tough to put somebody on a trajectory into the future because you just don't know. Yeah. You know? Uh, I think that if he does stay on that trajectory, uh, he is at a pretty nasty weight class. Um, but if he, if, that's a tough question. Cause I, I vacillate. Yeah. Yes, but no. You but know, strictly you know, college, you know, though. You know what he's going to do? Oh, in college? Yeah, just strictly uh, I, I college. I that anybody will – just because of the style. You know, if you think about his skill set in folk style, yeah, it, you can't stop that. You, yeah. you, you get caught cross-armed and you're going to your back. He has this his body, he contorts um, and has uh, the flexibility and then, more importantly, the strength where he's flexible to just get guys over and stay out of trouble, Um, you know, it's just a, he's a really interesting package in in the folk style realm, you know, in that he's just um, a really unique individual folk style-wise.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, just, it's just a level of the ease at which he wins matches, you watch and you're like, man, i you just don't see it that often. Um, I mean, obviously not that often, but maybe all time. It's just the way he rolls through guys Obviously, we're bummed he's not going to be wrestling this week yet. I've been waiting for the Dayton-Fix-Spencer-Lee match for, like, five years, I feel like, and we're still not going to get it. But, um, I mean, the guy's had three ACL surgeries, and he's maybe 22, though. So that's that concerns me a little Man, bit.
0: That concerns me. You know, one thing John Smith told me a long time ago that, that always stuck with me and that I know it's true, um, he was talking – he was just in conversation, but sometimes, you know, somebody says something really profound and just takes exp- mm-hmm. – and he said um, that uh, you know uh, very few athletes get to go out on their own terms because of injury. Mm. And I found that interesting. because I was like you know, and I started thinking back at everybody that I know that that achieved at a really high level, and then those that underneath it that perhaps didn't, um, they didn't get to go out on their own terms oftentimes through injury
1: mm. True. And
0: close their close the book on their career um injury free who gets to do that injury free i don't know it's there it's actually a pretty small group
1: yeah it's not many i mean if i mean if you're talking like injuries period zero but like career ending injuries yeah i mean think about you know John Smith had some nagging injuries, but nothing career-ending. JB hasn't had a big one. Um, of course, I mean, but everyone's had some. But yeah, you're right. I mean, that is super interesting. I think it's a matter of a little bit of luck and a little bit of just you know, how you treat your body and how you train. But yeah, it's a man. That's yeah, a good you point. know,
0: there are a couple. You know, I I think of people who never got out of the gate. Um, you ever, you know, remember you remember the name David Kelgard? Nope. Isn't that funny? Nope. That dude was good. David Kelgard wrestled out of Iowa, went to the University of Oklahoma, and um, couldn't he had his knees, and so he never. You've never heard of him, Ryan, because he didn't. He couldn't. He didn't come out of the gate. That dude wow. was amazing. He was going to be uh, another per- Well, Dayton fixes dad, Derek. Really, he was Dayton, the Derek. Was, he was probably, arguably, the number one recruit in the country at his weight, 50, 158, um, going into college from Ray, Colorado, Derek fix was going to win some titles and he broke his back at, at a, at a open tournament against a, um, against Johnny Johnson. That wrestled at Oklahoma. Um, Johnny Johnson was actually a senior level guy wrestling a college event. And, um, Oh, Derek no. broke his back and you know never the same man Derek was going to be good he was going to be really
1: bad you don't hear about that that often what happened you just got slammed or
0: yeah the, well it was just it was an awkward like got bent backwards
1: mm-hmm.
0: um I can't remember that it was a, it was a it was like a, a a move that went up in the air and kind of a throw-ish position and mm-hmm. um you know honestly I, it, it wasn't at the time it didn't it didn't seem very bad, but it turned out to be a a, a, sur- a, a, um, a broken back where Derek had surgery on his back multiple times, more than once. I don't know. He'll have to correct you on that, or me. Yeah. But Derek um, <laughs> was going to be good, and um, <laughs> so it, it's funny. I get to t- I get to I t- think I get to say that to some people, you know, because Derek he's he's pretty visible. You know, he's he's, he's involved in his yeah. in his son's wrestling in his life. It, it, the dude really knows wrestling and he's kind of guided what I've noticed. I'm close to that family. I've noticed that he's, he's guided Dayton in ways that were really, you know, I felt, you know, intelligent, um, just in terms of how Dayton looks at the sport hmm. and how he kept his passion for it and his drive. And, you know, he just has it in perspective. Um, Dayton does yeah. And you nothing. Know, I, I came from his dad and, um, I, I know it is, and, you know, it's, and so, uh, you know, there's, you know, Dayton or Derek just has a, he knows wrestling. Yeah. And he raised a good wrestling kid. And here we are.
1: I can't wait to see him this weekend. I was, uh, you know, before the NCA's, I I probably, you know, I felt a little bit different about things. I, I wonder how, how the loss has affected him. And then the cut, he looks so big at 33. I don't know how he could make 125. He looked massive at 133. But uh, we know he'll be there. He'll be right in the mix. It's going to be so much fun, man. I can't wait to to meet you in person and and talk about this a little bit more. But Kendall Cross, I really appreciate your time, sir. We're less than 24 out. I cannot believe it. And uh, go Team USA, baby. You bet, man. Take care, buddy. That's it for this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Thank you so much for tuning in, folks. As always, thank you to our sponsor, Spartan Combat. They're hosting a national tournament in Jacksonville, Florida, May 20th through the 23rd. You can register now at SpartanCombat.com. To watch the video interview of this episode, go to Wrestling Changed My Life on YouTube. You can also see the clips on Instagram and Twitter at Wrestling Changed My Life. That's it, folks. We'll see you next time.